This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Oski Talk. My name is Anthony Pasquale with Patrick Catazone. Back to you quick. We talked to you just the other day, but we've got good news. Illinois beat Minnesota by the score of 76 to 53. Really wasn't all that close. Illinois was in control at the barn pretty much from the first tip to the final whistle. Pat, when you're coming off of COVID, that's about as good as a return as you could get. Yeah, no, I, I and uh, in a very real sense, I, I feel that uh, <laughs> coming <laughs> COVID myself, final day of quarantine. Finally, I'll be free tomorrow for IO night. Um, look, it, it 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 was a great all around game. That was that was the one thing I, I realized um, from my perspective. Um, you had number two and number three scorers combined for fifteen points, and you beat Minnesota by twenty three points. And it probably should have been like 26, if I remember correctly. Um, that's great. Like, that's that's an all-around game. Demonte Williams felt like he he was back in it. Uh, I, I, I honestly, through this, this game, I was like, damn, did COVID fix uh, some of our problems? I remember I jinxed myself. I think it was, a, I think it was like the eight-minute mark in the first half. I go – did COVID fix our turnover problem? And then Illinois committed five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I jinxed myself a little bit there, but honestly, like I, I felt like turnovers weren't really an issue in this game. Um, you know, that, that five, six minute drought, you know, that can't happen um, in big games, but when this team's rolling, they're rolling. I know a lot of, of Illini fans and, and journalists, can nitpick this team and they do on Twitter and they'll say stuff like, uh, Oh, you know, they can't do this. They can't do that. When this team's rolling and getting on to that, that 10, 12 point streak, they're unstoppable. Like this team is great when it comes to that. And, and I, I was just proud of the all around effort. Kofi obviously dominated. Um, he had 29 points. Um, just all around great game, Anthony. Yeah, the de- defense was great, holding a team to 53 points, especially a team that has won 10 games, um, is a huge plus. You touched on Kofi. He was fantastic. Uh, 29 points, 10 rebounds, two assists. That's what shows up in the box score. Then you realize he had two steals and four blocks. The dude was all over the place, both sides of the ball. Uh, really set the pace for Illinois, who um, dominated from, from the beginning. Alfonso Plummer and Jacob Grandison were also in double figures. I think a few things that really jump off the page is Kofi was able to do that in just 24 minutes. And with him only playing 24 minutes, Omar Payne and Coleman Hawkins picked up some nice minutes. Coleman had six points and eight rebounds. He's starting to get his confidence back. And Omar Payne, 12 minutes has to be the most he's played in a long time. And they were productive minutes, had some blocks, some nice rebounds. So that was nice. Really not much to, to harp on 
after that win. Everybody kind of played nine players, ended up scoring or 10, I think. And, and like you said, holding Minnesota's two best players to, what was it, 19 points, 15 points, something like that, Willis and Curry and Jamison Battle combined for what Kofi scored total. So, I mean, I mean, really good job by Illinois, especially coming up after that pause. They showed who's the better team in the Big Ten, and now they have another Big Ten battle coming up soon. Yeah, they certainly do. Um, uh, um, let's let's kick it off by talking a little bit about Maryland's situation. Uh, Mark Turgeon gone, um, and and I guess this is this is I, I can't remember if we already talked about it. You're, did we talk about this already, Anthony? Um, I don't know if we talked about it on the pod. Yeah, I think you and I just talked about it in. Per- That's right. We talked about it before we recorded the podcast, which is classic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I thought this was a just a terrible decision by. And it's hard to decide who to blame because Maryland fans completely turned on Turgeon. I remember, what was it like, two years ago. When Mello, or not two years, Jesus, it's probably four years now. When Mello Tremble was playing at Maryland, you know, they loved Mark Turgeon. They thought he was the, the bee's knees. I mean, uh, Turgeon was leading them to top three finishes in the Big Ten. Like, he he was successful there. And they loved him. And I can't believe, I, I can believe it because it happens a lot. But a, a fan base turning on a coach, when he had br- brought you pretty pretty great success, maybe not like, you know, final four appearances, but he got you to the sweet 16 pretty consistently. And when you're able yeah. to do that, like eventually you're going to get to the final four. You know yeah. What I, mean? I thought it was kind of a short leash too. And they obviously haven't been too much better off without him um, since, you know, this year they're eight and five, zero oh and two in the big 10. They're one of just two teams without a win. So I, I don't know, kind of a iffy move in my mind. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess we'll see where they go from there. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't think that I, I, the thing is, and this is what's this is college basketball. Like you can't really name a coach that I feel like goes to Maryland and is like, then turns it around big time. And, and a lot of it of those expectations come from Maryland fans from the area, you know, Maryland in all aspects of sports believe that they should be able to recruit with the best of them because they believe that, the tri-state area or the tri-city area, the DC, Baltimore, um, what's that other city? Um, Maryland. I can't, I don't know what it is, but that area. Virginia, right? Uh, yeah. Or I think it's, I can't, I'll, I'll look it up, but that, that area is so rich in talent in football and basketball. They think they should be competing at such a high level. Um, and they should like, I, in a, from a football standpoint, yeah, they should be getting those guys because they're not getting those guys those top recruits out of that area. Um, but basketball wise, like, I feel like they've been pretty successful with that. Maybe not the most successful, but like, you're still competing like with these guys, at least from a recruiting and a successful standpoint. So I blown away that they didn't want him because I know if like, if that was the case of Illinois, he would have hundred percent got the job. And I think the fan base would be happy just because of what a, a dumpster fire Illinois basketball and frankly football, if we want to get into that. Um, like those two programs have been since like I 2007, you know? So shocked they gone. Anyways, that's my rant about Maryland fans being dumb. Um, 
frankly, Maryland fans don't make that same mistake. Um, anyways, moving on. Um, let's talk a little bit about this team this year. Um, like I it, said, it's been really weird for them. They started three and zero, then lost four of six then went on a three-game winning streak, including a win over Florida, who was ranked 20 at the time, uh, but are 0-2 in conference with a six-point loss at home against Northwestern and a five-point loss at Iowa. So up and down, and they haven't had their first Big Ten win. Yeah, and and Danny Manning replaces uh, Mark Turgeon. I think Danny Manning is a guy who, like, was in the wrong situation at Wake Forest. And I think he's a guy who definitely have uh, another power five coaching job. Um, but they, they had that little stretch there, a very difficult stretch of games. They played Louisville, Virginia Tech, and then Northwestern. Come off those two losses against Louisville, Virginia Tech, you drop one to Northwestern, who frankly um, hasn't been that bad. But, you know, after, after firing your coach, it's tough to win some of those games. Um, so that's that was kind of the situation they found themselves in, um, and and thus are eight and five. Um, but since then they they've they've played pretty well. They lost to Iowa recently. Um, that was Monday night, but won three three de- decent games against Florida, Lehigh, and Brown, and you dominated those two um, non-power five opponents. So they're playing decently well. Um, the biggest change this team from past because it's Basically the same thing um, is, is they, they added Fats Russell in the um, offseason. He's a 5'11 guard. He's a small guy, but had a lot of success at Rhode Island. Um, at his time there, transfers over to Maryland, uh, and he's still putting up a good, a decent amount of points, around 13. Not as successful, and you could expect that um, of production from URI to Maryland, but still doing a good job there. Otherwise, defensively, it's Dante Scott, same guy that we've seen the last three years. Hasn't hit quite that, like, offensive, like, prowess that I think Maryland fans were expecting. Um, He's still averaging the same as last year, 11 points. Um, So those two guys are the kind of guys to know. Other than that, um, Eric Ayala, a guy who's been there for four years now, I think he's a senior. He seems like he's been there forever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's a senior. Yeah. he returns similar production, the same as he had last year. He's averaging 15. So that's that's kind of what you're getting from those guys. Um, but other than that, there's not a lot there. So I think expectations of this great season that Maryland had, just from a production standpoint, hasn't arrived and won't arrive. Yeah, I think um, one other guy – I'd want to touch on, you mentioned the four guys that they have that average in double digits for points, but um, I think an underrated player on this team is Hakeem Hart, who averages just under 10 points a game, but he averages two steals per game and shoots 37% from three and 89% free throw. Um, So that's a guy you definitely don't want to have the ball much, especially not late. Um, But, you know, when you talk about defense and defensive teams in the big 10, Illinois is the team that jumps off the page they just help in the excuse me minnesota to under 55 points at home um uh, should be another game uh, kofi coburn dominates um and, and i really you know i think this is a game illinois should win take control 
start four and oh in the big 10 for the first time in the brad underwood era and just keep it rolling in conference play yeah no i agree and Another another note is Daryl Marcel, as we all know, is not no longer on this team. A famous Illinois killer, um, in his four time four years at Maryland, uh, decided to kill the Illini again at Marquette. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, offensively, I think you probably see a little bit of a comeback from those two main scores that we didn't see in the last game. Trent Frazier and Plummer, uh, Coburn should dominate this game. Dante Scott's been pretty good at covering them though, um, while he's been at Maryland. Um, he's a great defensive player. I believe he was all, uh, all big 10 defense. I want to say, uh, you might want to check that. Um, and I'll do it too, but, um, uh, he's a great defenseman. He's, he's a little bit of a smaller guy too, which is why Kofi has a little bit of a, uh, advantage on him. But other than that, uh, he's, he doesn't got a lot on him. I can't find anything about him being all defensive team yeah i think i made that up <laughs> whoops <laughs> all, all good but um let's get into before we get into our, our special segment and the show let's do a score prediction of this one pat yeah um wait wait let me first say pat had illinois losing to minnesota yeah i hate playing because i hate playing at the barn at least every year i freaking hate playing at the barn Illinois owns the barn though. It was empty, which was awesome. And and apparently, and hey, the shooters were not that were not that on, which goes to show you. But Plummer, Plummer missed did not have a three for the first time since November. Yeah, dude, it's because it's the barn, dude. It's impossible. The barn, it's the yeah. barn. But regardless, um, and yeah, I was definitely wrong. He was not all defensive team. So <laughs> my bad. There's not a there's not a basketball all defensive team. I, I swear there was. I, must I be thought wrong. there was too, but there's not. I don't think there is. So I completely made that up. Apologies, apologies for that. Um, he could have been on the all. There you go. Well, the champagne room, all defensive team, 2021. Dante Scott's on there. Uh, oh, Trent Fraser's defensive player of the year. Just putting that out there. It's Trent Fraser. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, he's just on the all team. Thank you. Yeah, we we get. Uh, there's two guys who vote, so it's pretty exclusive. Pretty exclusive club. <laughs> He's on there. Um, anyways, uh, back to my point. Yeah, I, I hate playing at the barn. Anyways, I was way off. I, I deserve all the slack for that. <laughs> I don't want to be the, the the journalist that always choose Illinois to lose to get fans mad. But I, I honestly don't think – I don't think there's a chance Illinois loses this game against Maryland. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I know. Don't you hate hearing that from me? Um, I, I just think it's Iowa night. I don't think you lose. Me neither. I don't. I, I was just telling you before we started recording. Um, I am 21 and in, in Illinois, so this is legal. I bet the Warriors to beat Dallas and didn't realize it was Vitsky's retirement jersey night. Um, I'm not going to make the same mistake um, with Io, who yeah. has meant so much and more to this 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 program. Um, they're honoring him at halftime and pregame, raising the jersey up to the rafters during halftime of a game Illinois should beat Maryland 80 to 69. Yeah. Yeah, that's I was gonna say 80 to 68. That's a wow. Locked in. Lock it in. I like I like a big win here. And I just think the friendships on that team 
And if you're if you're if you're plumber, like you gotta have a, a giant game. Dude, I said the same thing. I already I already pre-wrote my lead tomorrow, and it's on a day where a number eleven went into the rafters. Another eleven number eleven showed up on you know whatever something like that. You cannot wear the jersey of a number going up into the rafters and play bad. You can't do it. You can't. And like Alfonso Plummer, like we came into this year and and a lot of people were like, how the hell could Underwood give let him? Yeah. IO's number. And, and he's like, well, I got the greatest shooter I've ever seen play on my team. So I, he's deserved 11. I almost I don't think now that I, now I'm thinking about it. I almost hope the game's close late and Plummer hits a a dagger. That'd be sweet too. That would be cool. That would be sweet. But it's not going to be close. I don't think Maryland's not as good as Illinois. Also, if Illinois wins this game, they should be ranked like 19 next week. Yeah, I you know you know how my feeling is on rankings. I yeah. love Illinois not ranked. You don't care. I, I care, though, because we're better than, like, six. No, we're, we're better than, like, 15 teams that are ranked. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think that. You're telling me Wisconsin's better than us? No. No, no, they're definitely not. But I, I think we're the best. Colorado State? No, but I just, I just like – I like – that I like the fire. I think we really respond well to like no pressure being slighted yeah. and being a little slighted, like no pressure slighted. That's, that's where Illinois thrives under Underwood. Like he could really light a fire under their butts when, and I'm using the G we're going, this is a G rated podcast today. Um, I, uh, I, he really can get these guys to win when, when there's like just a little bit of a slight, when there's something to fight for, like, Otherwise, like, like against Iowa, use to Loyola, you know? Yeah. Like against Iowa last year, when Brad said he's the, the best player in the country. And then Iowa went and put like 25, eight and seven on Lucas head and they won something like that. I agree with you. Um, they're six and one, not ranked this year. Yeah. Or five and one. Like, yeah, they play well, but they deserve it. I think if I they win over Maryland. Yeah, I was gonna say too. I was curious if you know, as we move as we move on to our little next segment, if there was a player that could earn number eleven or deserve number eleven next year out of our recruiting class after Alfonso Plummer, and I, I the Ty Rogers might be one of them because it's got to stay. There's no Chicago guys in this recruiting class. Um, yeah, Sincere Harris from Ohio and Jay Nepps from North Carolina. Um, but Ty Rogers is technically is, is from the Chicagoland area from the South suburbs. Um, and it's important to know that D Brown was actually, um, he played a proviso East, which was non-Chicago Western suburbs. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe Ty Rogers is the next big 11 in Illinois. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I was mad when, Plummer wore number 11, but then I realized D Brown wore number 11 and I wore wore it. Yeah. So it's like, they're but not. I was number like 
29 in, in the rankings. That's the thing. Palmer was a, a, a transfer from Utah. Right. I, I'm just saying in general that it, it's not to damage anybody's legacy to wear that number because it happened like D Brown had his name and number retired, but like it's still worn. Yeah. Which is, know. which is interesting. It's interesting how college does it where they retire the, they don't retire the Jersey. They just honor it. Yeah. But that yes. number can still be used. Yeah. Cause there's too many, like you'd run out of numbers too quick. Yeah. Like the, the Yankees don't have any numbers from zero to like 11 available. Yeah. So because yeah. you know, Babe Ruth, number three, Lou Gehrig, number four, like all those all the way up to, I think 11 Jeter two. So you kind of have to start just honoring them and not retiring them. Yeah, you can't retire. 11 is a great number, though, too, because it's fun to be like, well, here's the Illinois guys. Yeah. I played football for one year of my life, fifth grade, and I wore number 11. There you go. It was for uh, Larry Fitzgerald. There you go. Mr. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Football, Illinois. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, we've teased it a little bit. IO night is tomorrow or tonight when you'll be listening this Illinois plays Maryland. They're honoring IO raising his number 11 into the rafters. It's IO night. So Pat and I decided to compile some of our favorite IO moments. We each picked one favorite moment, but when we were thinking of them, we were like, man, IO had so great moments. So we decided to make an honorable mentions list. Um, so Pat, you can lead us off and give a couple of those. Yeah, I think the first the first honorable mention um, for me is the Big Ten championship, just because it, when you think the Big Ten championship, it's Io standing on the ladder with the hat and and the trophy and and the little piece of netting, like and the mask hanging down by his neck. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's Io in my head, as well or, as the the Kobe moment. Um, yeah, when he, how about when he was cutting his piece of the net and then they announced that we were a one seed in the tournament. Yeah. That's iconic. Yeah. There's that's an iconic moment and, and the height of his Illinois career. So that's honorable mention hard to say that that's not number one, but that, that was an honorable mention for me. I had a a few listed. Um, I think just in general, how Iowa heightened his game when they played against Luca Garza and Iowa um, specifically in the Big Ten tournament, he had a dunk over Garza and then did the little head thing, like Garza's too small, even though he's like six seven. Um, so that one, his run last year when he had two triple doubles in four games was incredible. Um, when he first came back from his injury with the mask on and, and scored late against, I think it was Ohio State, um, that was awesome. His last home game hitting that deep deep shot against northwestern to kind of clinch that one and then speaking of closing in general he hit clutch or game winners against ohio state wisconsin northwestern penn state indiana iowa nebraska he just dominated the big 10 in the final two minutes and it was such a treat to see yeah that was some great games there even in the in the tournament the big 10 tournament that was a great game um you know, reignited that rivalry for sure. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our favorite Io DeSumo moment as today is, of course, the day his jersey is going up into the rafters. I'll go first. 
my all-time favorite moment is when Dan Dockett said, this won't end well for Illinois. And then Io sunk a deep three to give uh, Illinois, I think at that point, a four-point lead over Michigan State in a game they ended up winning. Everybody stormed the court. Me and my brother have a selfie with Io from that day. Um, it was just kind of the we're here moment, and they haven't left being there since. And, and I think it's all due to Io. So for that reason, that's my number one moment. I, I talk about it now as that's close to being the highlight of college for me, getting to storm the court like that was really, really cool. Um, and I was the reason it happened. So for that reason, that's number one for me. Yeah, that was a great game. I was there as well. I momentarily went blind in that game. Um, and you could probably listen to the podcast like two, two, what was that? That was four years ago, almost three years. Jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was 20, that was 2019. Um, no, tw- yeah, 2019. That was 2019. 2019. Yeah, February. Um, he Adonis De La Rosa, someone gave him the Georgian flag. Um, and he was whipping it around and nailed me in the eye with the flag. So I'm one of my <laughs> straight couldn't see. I was panicking. Like, holy cow. By the way, I forgot about Adonis De La Rosa. Holy oh, cow. <laughs> that's a name out of out of the, the hat. Um, but that was an amazing game, amazing moment, even though I couldn't see momentarily. Uh great. Great experience. That was Io's for sure. Um, I'm here, and uh, you know that's that's probably one of the the big beginnings. Nice picture, Anthony. If, if you look very closely, that's your boy with the hat. Very nice, Anthony. I'm glad Anthony's showing me his his moment. You gonna post that on Twitter tomorrow or today? Prob- probably. Yeah, it's I got my bad. own lined up for Twitter as well. It's too bad that doesn't uh, our our podcast doesn't have video, but yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I was I was lucky enough to be on the beat that year, the 2019-22 season or twenty Jesus 2019-2020 season. Um, that was a great year. That was such a fun year to watch. That team was great. Iowa was amazing. That was a great year. But anyways, moving on to my moment. Um, this one comes. Uh, from that season uh it to me it was the moment that was that was the the like illinois is illinois back moment was illinois was playing at michigan and michigan was they were i think they were i want to say they were i don't think they were 13 7 i think they were like 11 and 7 um but they were a good team that year um and it was at michigan which is important for the story that was like when the games and, and I was, I was um, with a lot of, a lot of Alani fans watching that game. Uh, Cause I wasn't, I wasn't writing for that game. Fortunately. Um, <laughs> fortunately for the, the champagne. Don't <laughs> tell Tristan. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't on that game. Tristan, I think was on that game. Interesting enough. And he, and uh, anyways, anyways, I was with a lot of people. I'm like, Oh man, this is a big game. There was a lot of people towards the end being like, oh, Illinois is on. So a lot of people were gathering together to watch this game. That's when I lived in a frat house. Um, but the diehards were all watching it together. And obviously me as a reporter and uh, a lot of fan as well. Uh, we were all watching it. And he hits that dagger and everyone just goes nuts. And it was, it was over Xavier Simpson. He had a game winner at Michigan over, over Xavier Simpson. And everyone goes nuts. And I was like, well, that, this is the moment where 
all these people that don't like watch and go here are going to start watching. So that's to me, it was like the, the click for Illinois fans to, and, and students to start watching this team. Cause um, they were good. It was a really exciting year. Yeah. Biggest regret is them not playing in, in the tournament. Yeah. So my, my moment was the we're here of freshman year. Your moment was the start paying attention. This is huge of sophomore year. And our honorable mention is junior year. Our top honorable mention is junior year when all of it led to trophy. Yeah. Which is cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's, that's to me, it was like, welcome, welcome Illinois to the, the national stage again. Yep. And, and it's cool that they're still on it. Um, and that's something that Kofi Coburn and the rest of this team has been able to keep going. They have a chance to continue to prove it tonight against Maryland. We both have Illinois winning that one. Pat, before we let everybody else go, I got one more question for you. Shifting gears into football for just a second, Brett Bielema and the Illini coaching staff has announced that Tony Peterson will not be returning as offensive coordinator. I know you love deep diving into these uh, potential solutions. First of all, you and I both thought this move was coming a long time ago. It's the right move for this team moving forward. Who do you think is going to be calling plays for the offense next season? Yeah. You, you and I have both been pretty critical of him. It's, it's to me, uh, let me really quick talk about the firing. It's, it's, it sucks when you miss on your first hire, but when you know it's wrong, you gotta make, you gotta fire the guy. Lovey made the same mistake, and it's important to remember that because it was Garrick McGee first at offensive coordinator before we had um, – remind me of who the offense – come on, Rod Smith. Before we had Rod Smith, it was Garrick McGee, and that was a terrible hiring. And I frankly don't think it was – because I think if it was – if he really was that mad about the offense, I think he would have fired him at the end of the year. And it's tough because it, and I, you know, in my head, that makes sense, but you can't really fire him after the Northwestern game necessarily. Cause he, the offense was pretty good that game. And when you do a firing like this, you kind of want to sweep it under the rug. Like you want it to be quick. And that's kind of how it happened. It was quick it happened at six o'clock. And I think that was probably just a news leak. I think the media got to it first mm-hmm. uh, before they were going to announce it in the morning. It's probably what they were going to do. Um, media got there first, but it, it's quick. Like it was a quick under the rug. I imagine Brett doesn't want him talking a lot. Brett's all, if you know Brett Bielma, he is all about like positives for the program. Um, you know, I've talked to people within the program and in the communications department and it's, it's positive. Like he wants everything that's positive going on with this program to be out there quick and doesn't want the negatives, especially doesn't want Illinois broadcasting the negatives. So this was quick under the rug. Um, look, I, I didn't like him at all uh, from, from, we did an interview with, uh, I can't even remember who it was. I'll look back in my DMS. Um, but a reporter from um, app state. And I asked him like, well, what do you think? He's like, I can't believe you guys want this guy. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. Like, our offense has regressed with him. Like it hasn't been good. And I thought I was like, ah, oh, well, Drinkwitz is gone. That's why App State's all not that good. But Tony Peterson, I don't think he's a great offense coordinator. I think he's a great offensive mind, but calling plays, like, not great. He's a QB coach. Yeah. I could coach up a QB. And 
frankly, he didn't do that great of a job of that, did he? We saw regression in in a guy that we thought was a Heisman candidate two years ago. The guy that we thought was going to be quarterback ended up being their best receiver who Tony couldn't get the ball to enough. Right. So, like that, that's what it was, you know. Right. Um, so new face will be in or maybe not a new face. Yeah, I, 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 I post on Twitter and, uh, and I wish I this is where I wish the video was a little bit slower. Because um, I would have liked to interject my little journalism opinions. I think personally, I'd go George McDonald offense coordinator. They're not going to do that. It's it's pretty much going to be Barry Lune Jr. Um, can't confirm that myself, but he, he's on campus. He's the right fit. Have you been tracking flights again? No, no. <laughs> He's in Champaign, though. I think Ryan Easterling reported that. Okay. Um, so he's he's gonna be the guy. Um, if if I'm if I'm a coach, I would go George McDonald. I really like what he did at NC State. One, um, moving him from assistant head coach to offensive coordinator easy. He already was an offensive coordinator, and frankly, it's easier to hire a wide receivers coach than it is an offensive coordinator. So that's my move. However, I think probably George McDonald doesn't want to be offensive coordinator. Otherwise, he would have gotten the job. I think George McDonald's looking to become head coach somewhere else. So he wants to be assistant head coach, wide receivers coach, and then get that job when Illinois blows up. Um, he's a great, they have a great relationship, Brett Bielema and George McDonald, from what I know. So if, if he wanted that move, it would have happened. But I, I assume he doesn't. So that's, that's out of the window. Um, but Barry Lane Jr. is already on campus. He's a guy, UTS, UTSA offense coordinator. A lot of fans know him pretty well. Uh, he's a guy who uh, won beat Illinois and, and probably will be a head coach somewhere soonish, probably in Arkansas. He started his career off as an Arkansas um, high school coach, um, which, if you know anything about the SEC, is a very famous. Uh, former head coach at an SEC program that followed a similar uh, route. He was the former quarterback at Alabama. He knows quarterbacks pretty well. Tight ends know pretty well. Um, he's very strong. He helped develop Hunter Henry at Al uh, Arkansas. Excuse me. Um, I hope I didn't say Alabama earlier. I meant Arkansas. Former quarterback at Arkansas, not Alabama. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got to say about him. It, it will be – run heavy, probably a little bit more of a dual threat quarterback look. Um, but I don't think anything about this offense change. It's going to be run first, ground and pound. And he is the um, UTSA offensive coordinator yep. or head coach? Offense coordinator. Yep. Got it. Yeah, that's a team that beat us and shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, I imagine Brett was pretty pissed. And then saw, I mean, he knew, he, he knew that Barry Looney Jr. was, because he hired, he hired Barry Looney Jr. out of high school, Arkansas high school football, to be the tight ends coach um, at Arkansas while he was there. Uh, and he was retained into the next, the next group, which I think was Sam Pitt, Chad Morris. It was Chad Morris. Um, it was Chad Morris was the next coach. And then he was in the running to be the Alabama coach, and they ended up giving it to Pittman, I want to say. He's currently the head coach. Um, 
And so that was a bummer for him. But then he, yeah, Sam Pittman's current head coach for Arkansas. So he was in the running between him and Sam Pittman, I'm pretty sure. And they went with Pittman, worked out pretty great for Arkansas. But um, look, he's, he's a guy who's got a, a pretty big future in football, probably. Uh, I, think, I think Arkansas fans think he'll be the next head coach at Arkansas. So, um, yeah, good to have him. Probably. Yeah. Sorry, it's not done deal, but probably. Yeah, that's who, it, it, you know, every report and the fact that he's in Champaign is pointing to. If it is him and that announcement comes, we'll talk about him a little bit more. If the announcement comes and it's somebody else, we'll talk about him a little bit more. But we'll be back next week to recap at minimum this Maryland game and preview Illinois basketball's next contest. But for now, thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in for Pat. I'm Anthony. ILL. I and I.